Welcome to the teaching ministry of Faith Bible Church. We pray as you listen to the following message, you will be encouraged and equipped to passionately pursue Christ. For more information, please visit our website at fbcevansville.com. Okay, I want to start out with uh, a question for you. And uh, when you think of growth in your personal walk, so as a believer, you're walking with the Lord, what are some struggles that you experience in walking, your daily walk? Um, I don't mean like physically walking, you know, like in our life as believers. What are struggles that you face in wanting to grow, trying to grow? Yes. Okay. So you've got struggles and they're the same struggles. So that, that's the struggle, that you have the same struggles that you don't seem to find victory over. Is that, what you're, is that the idea there? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, here I am again in the same thing that I feel like I can't get past. That's a struggle for sure. What else? What else do you... You can give a Sunday school answer if you want. Yeah. Yeah, daily distractions of life. Yeah. Yeah, we, um, I'm not going to tell you which one, but one of my sons has been doing this Bible study. And he goes into the living room early in the morning. And during the, in this book, in this study, it has like scripture reading. It's got like a little talk or something like that. And part of it is singing. And so he'll, he actually sings out loud. What's funny is he doesn't know the song, so he just says the words. So it's like made up to a tune, I guess, you know, because he doesn't know what the song, I don't know what the songs are either. So anyway, but I find like, I, we were talking at dinner the other night, like, why, wait, you sing out loud? Like yours out loud singing? We walked in there. Well, that, he's like, well, that's the way the study, it says to do that. Like we're supposed to sing. But it's one of the things that what you're talking about, Warren, of like, uh, I'm losing, like I go to pray. This happens to me quite often. I go, I sit down to pray and I get about the first thing on the list. And before you know it, I'm like thinking through what I need to do on the next week. And I'm going, Oh, wait, I was praying. I got to go back to praying. And so singing was one of those things. He sings it out loud that helps to keep that uh, going, like keep focused. But, but our life is uh, so, we, they're so, it, we are so easily um, distracted. <laughs> it sounds like I'm distracted right now. It sounds like it's so, we are so easily um, remo- uh, taken off focus. And um, so you're right. We, we get busy. What else? What are some other struggles? What to study? Yeah, I need to be studying. I need to be in God's Word, but what do I do? You know, you, you pull out the Bible, and it's like, it doesn't work like a, um, you know, a John Grisham novel or something like that, where you, t- you start from the beginning and go to the end. You can read it that way, but I, that's not typically the way that we read Scripture, you know? Um, and so then you got the other people that'll just flip through and go, okay, that's what I'm going to study now. And it's like, is that the most benefit either? That's a struggle. That's hard for us to know which way to go with that. So, on the flip side, what are some things that have helped you in your growth? What are some things that you've done to help overcome some of those struggles? Or what have you found to be a real benefit in growing spiritually? Small group. Small group. That's a good one. Having a community 
small group of people that help, help you, encourage you, you're meeting with them regularly, you get to know them on a, a closer level, you can be vulnerable. What else? Yes? Yeah, working through biblical counseling certification, and so you're doing the studying for that. Uh, I found people that um, will uh, go through ad- other things like, um, it, so that has been a benefit. Also going through like a systematic theology with somebody else. Like, okay, now we're going to, like, I know I need to grow in my walk, but what are some of the, like, breaking it down into smaller pieces and studying those things with somebody else is a, is a real benefit. I saw a hand back here. I don't know. Yeah. 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 And then also having somebody to do that for. So having somebody that you can pour into and keep you sharp. So discipleship. Yeah. Right. Being discipled and discipling others. That's exactly right. So Dave's going to come up here and teach the rest of my class because he's, uh, no, that's good. That's exactly right. Anytime that we can have somebody help care, help pour into our life, and also then that we're doing that as well. You know, we're, we don't want to be uh, just like taking it all in and it just stays there, right? It's, it's supposed to be that we do that and then do that for someone else. And we can see that throughout Scripture in all these different ways, um, how we are to take what we learn and know and grow in and also help others as well. Those are excellent. It seems to me that if I'm ever talking about growth with people, having discussions about church growth or uh, what, what does it mean in uh, a church growing, typically the conversation goes to numbers, right? What is attendance in your church, baptisms, uh, professions of faith, um, you know, how, what, how many people are on staff, how many elders or deacons do you have? And, and we use that numerical number as a way to measure how well a church is doing. Um, You know, it's like, uh, if there's bigger numbers, that church must be doing pretty well, right? And then you say, oh, someone says, oh, I love my church. We got 15 people in our church. And you kind of think, 15 people? Hmm, something must not be going right there, right? Um, This, on some level, this is somewhat understandable, Right? If we look at Genesis 1, how God created the world in a very organized and methodical way, he creates the world. In Genesis 2, we see God creates uh, the animals. He brings the animals. He brings humans, Adam and Eve. And then what he does, he says, all right, I've created all of this. And he's bringing the animals to Adam one by one for Adam to name. Right? So he's giving more structure more organization to it. Um, He then instructs Adam and Eve to rule over the earth and to subdue it because our God is a God of order and we are made in his image and we like order. We want things to be ordered. So having some type of a quantifiable, measurable way to evaluate our churches is one way that we, uh, it seems like natural way to go to say, this is a healthy church or not a healthy church. But, you know, like, like I said, you know, a bigger church, lots of baptisms. Oh, must be doing, must be doing well. You know, we see something um, to this effect in Scripture as well. With Adam and Eve, they are told to be fruitful and to multiply. So increase your number. And, 
And then you see after the flood, God destroys the earth, right, with a flood. And then what does he tell Noah and his sons? To be fruitful and to multiply, like to keep growing. But numerical growth, even if it is a way we can wrap our mind around health, is not necessarily healthy. And it's not necessarily what we're talking about today. We all know big, huge churches that are not healthy, right? I could name a pastor, well, pastor in air quotes, not a pastor, heresy. I would say that huge church, we'd say that's not a healthy church, right? But lots of people are going there. And we see that across the world. So that is not a necessarily uh, good uh, indicator of health, right? Um, But, you you know, because we can come here on a Sunday morning, and we can see more and more people coming, less and less open seats, and more, uh, you know, less chairs available. So we go, oh, the church is growing. But we want our church to be growing, not necessarily in numbers. We'd love for more people to be coming to church, right? We want that. But we want people to be growing in their walk. So measuring spiritual growth, I think that's, that's what we're talking about today. We want to pe- see people maturing in their faith. We want a church that is deepening in their faith. We want our membership here, the congregation, to not be easily swayed by the culture that stands on God's truth for all things in life, right? Not just about the big things about, oh, who God is, but what does God's word say about my eight-year-old that seems to be struggling with anxiety, Or, you know, what does it look like when I'm struggling in my marriage? What does God's word say about that? Those who are growing in their walk are trusting in God's word. They're growing in those things. And that's what we want to see in our congregation. Discipling one another. Being discipled, discipling one another, caring about each other and caring about each other's walk as much as I'm concerned about my own walk. How do we do that? Our topic today is really, it's a a two-parter. So today's the first part. We're getting at the concern today for discipleship and spiritual growth. And I hope to lay out a foundation. I hope it's an understandable way. Um, And then next week, we'll wrap up with practically, how do we do this? So if at the end of this, you go, hey, sounds great. How do I do what we're talking about? Come here next week, and I'll tell you. Oh, um, first example, let's examine this. Where does it come from? Where does growth come from? In Ephesians 4, 15 and 16, it says, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. From him, Christ, the whole body, that's us, the church, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part, that's all of us, working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So ultimately here, it is God that makes us grow, and we grow as the body of Christ as God causes this growth. Now another verse that helps us see this is Colossians 2, 19. The head, which is Christ, from whom the whole body, that's the church, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. So if we're talking about how we need to grow, we need spiritual growth. How do we grow? And I just gave you verses that said, well, God causes the growth. We could wrap it up with going, well, God causes the growth, right? Well, 
we have, one of the things that we will see here is we have great preaching here. And there are great teachers that are walking the halls here, that are spending time with our children upstairs, other places. But the preacher and the teachers don't cause the growth. God himself is committed to ensuring the growth of his church. He will grow his church as he sees fit. And Paul recognized this. And when he wanted a congregation to grow, he prayed for them. He realized that growth comes from God. And so in 1 Thessalonians, Paul says, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before God and Father at the, begin- at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. And in Colossians 1, 9 and 10, he also prays for that church. And so from the day we heard, we've not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now don't get me wrong here. I'm not here to teach a class on spiritual growth only to say you've got nothing to do with it. Right? That'd be odd. It'd be like, I've got something to tell you you must do, but you don't have anything to do with it, so go do it. Uh, That would, um, throwing a lot of verses at you today. But one that is really helpful in this, in God causing the growth and then our responsibility, here is uh, Peter in 2 Peter 3.18. He's wrapping up his letter with this exhortation. Okay, I just gave you a bunch of verses that says God causes the growth. And in this, Peter says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Grow. He's telling them. It's a command. It's an imperative. We should want to grow spiritually. Earlier in his book, Peter says, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness and then goodness with knowledge and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with perseverance, and perseverance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. What kind of church cultivates discipleship among its members? Well, that's really, when you get to the heart of it, what this class is about. In this chapter on this topic in the Nine Marks book, Mark Dever um, explains how the other eight marks that we've already discussed uh, affect our growth, both individually and corporately as Christians. And we here at Faith Bible Church are convinced that each of these marks can contribute to our following Christ better. They can contribute um, for the spiritual health of the individual Christian, for the good of other Christians, for the health of the church as a whole, for the good of our witness to non-Christians, and for the glory of God. And each of these marks has a contribution that it makes to that. Now let me remind you from this book, I'm going I'm to quote Mark Dever here on this, of these eight marks that we've previously discussed, 
how each of those marks encourages spiritual growth. So, we started with expositional preaching, right? God's word is what we need to grow. The culture around us, our society, is not going to tell us what we need most. We can't even look into our own hearts for that knowledge because they deceive us. To learn what we need most in our lives, we have to turn to God himself. And we need to hear his word, all of it, preached expositionally so that we don't just pick selective themes, hearing just selected themes, verses, that type of thing. There are things in the Bible that we want to avoid. We do. They're tough. They're hard. They get under our skin. They highlight areas where we are weak, where we need God, where we fail. None of us is so holy and perfect and well-shaped spiritually that we happily welcome every word in God's book. God saves us from being in a church, um, or we hope, we want God to save us from being in a church where the word is just preached selectively. We want to be very careful because when we go to a church that just selectively chooses, chooses verses, we avoid the hard ones. And that doesn't get addressed in our lives, and those become weak points in that congregation and in that membership. We should pray that God will provide his church with preachers and a preacher that we have here who will preach all of his word. As we study God's word, we see his help and his care for his own people throughout history. We become aware of the beauty of God's plan. We see the glory of the gospel. We see in the word as a whole how God corrects us. Now, surprisingly, when we hear expositional preaching, we become less dependent on the preacher. We're more concerned about the word of God. So if Bryce is away and we have someone else in the pulpit, that's okay. We love those who minister the word to us. But more than that, we love the word of God that's being ministered. And that's what we want to hear. That's what the church is built on, hearing God's word speak to us as the Holy Spirit uses it in our hearts. Through his word, we come to know more of God and of his character. We grow through hearing God's word preached. Now, the next thing was sound doctrine. We grow as we understand more of the truth about God and about us. And we need to have a um, a doctrine that is sound based on God's word. Because we grow as we understand more of God's care and his character. We grow as we read the bi biblical record of his choosing a people. And then working with them through very difficult circumstances. We're encouraged by seeing the big picture. The plan. The meaning. You know, we can look at God's people in the Old Testament and we see how God saved them. He's rescuing them. He's working with them. And then they fall. And we have the whole picture and we look at that and go, oh, 
How did they do that again? How is it that they just walked on dry land and then they are, you know, making idols or, you know, whatever the thing may be? Like, How? There's no way. If that happened to me, I wouldn't do that. It's like, and then you go, oh, I'm doing the same sin I did last week or whatever that may be. It's like we're, we're the same. But we grow when we can see that whole picture and then we can put that in our own lives. I can't see the whole picture. I don't know what the future holds for my life. I don't know how people are going to treat me or what's going to happen. But I can see um, in God's word how God works in those situations and I can, I can do that in my own life. We begin to grow as we are um, surrounded and, and uh, filling our minds with sound doctrine. We begin to grow in our knowledge of God, and that helps us to trust him more. How do we grow in our trusting God? Well, we grow in that ability partly through the difficulties that God allows us to go through. But experience is only part of it. It's only half of it. That's what gives us the opportunity to trust. We trust in God because he has shown himself perfectly trustworthy. And God's revelation of himself through the word, throughout history, shows him to be worthy of our trust no matter what he might send our way. And as we realize more and more the depth of our need, we're trained to rely on Christ. When we begin to have a more biblical understanding of our state as humans, though we're grievously saddened by various results of the fall in this world, we can't say that we're shocked in a way that non-Christians might be. We understand something of our tremendous capacities as image bearers of God, and how terribly, terribly wrong those capabilities can go when we don't use them in submission to God. And as we begin to understand more and more our own brokenness of our own sinful rebellion, we begin to understand more of his love for us in Christ, strange as it may seem. A church that is clear on sound doctrine, on the gospel, that will help you grow as a Christian. It will help you grow in confidence as you know the love of God. Indeed, you can't help but grow as you understand more and more of what God has done for you in Christ. Sound doctrine is biblical doctrine that takes you to God's word for everything in life. And that's our starting point. That is our default for growth and understanding us, others, and the world around us. Now, the third mark we talked about was conversion and evangelism. Now, as you realize your own spiritual state and dependence on God for your own Christian life, you don't become indifferent. You become grateful, profoundly and deeply thankful to God that he has had mercy on you and on so many others. Your hope becomes more certain because you realize your hope isn't based on your your own faithfulness, but on God's faithfulness. And that's a tremendous encouragement to anyone who knows himself to be a sinner. God loves us out of his own nature of love. So as we begin to recognize our own salvation as the fruit of God's work in our lives, 
We're not even tempted to feel the wrong kind of pride in our own spiritual life because we understand from the Bible what conversion is. We understand more of what a true Christian is and how we become one by the grace of God. So when we begin to understand more of what the Bible teaches about evangelism, we begin to trust God in helping us to spread that good news. We will feel more like obeying him as we realize that it's not our duty to convert anyone, but simply to faithfully tell that good news. There is a a wonderful freedom in that. I don't have to feel like I have all the answers to all tough questions. I just have to tell others the truth about Jesus, love them, pray for them. I'm simply called to be faithful in that message, and that brings a wonderful freedom of sharing that message. So more fully understanding God's work in regeneration encourages you and me to trust God. Understanding the Bible's teaching on conversion and evangelism makes you a better Christian and helps our church become more healthy. Now, living the Christian life means being committed to each other. It entails being part of a community that's centered around Jesus Christ. And by dealing with each other, rubbing shoulders, bumping elbows with each other, we're forced to deal with areas of our lives that we would otherwise avoid. Because of our committed love to each other, we pray and reflect on those areas and we repent. Through our commitments and responsibilities as church members, we learn more of what true Christian love is all about. Because let's face it, when we talk about love in the United States, we have a wrong view of love. Our culture has this view of love. We talk about love. The images that come to mind when we think of love are like love stories in movies or how can I be loved? How does someone treat me? I want to be, I want to have the, whatever it may be, to be loved. We don't often think about love as self-sacrificing, what I do to die to myself for someone else. That isn't typically the first way that we think of love. We, when we grow in our understanding of each other in the Christian walk and we are encouraged to love one another, we're learning about what Christian love is and we're encouraged to see God's work in other people's lives. We're encouraged to see, uh, or we're encouraged by seeing older members being cared for by new Christians who are maturing. Even if things in our lives are not going well, we can be encouraged by things that are going well in other people's lives in our church. And that's how it's supposed to be. That's one of the reasons why God doesn't call us to run this race alone. I talked about being a church member. It's just a natural progression that we hear the, we hear the uh, gospel. 
God's grace where you're saved, join a church. Just like the next thing that happens. And then you join that church, you, you grow. That's uh, maturing. Um, we want to see that. We often think about growth. It's like, okay, we have new babies, and we want to see them grow up to be young adults. But we, we sometimes forget when we've been a believer for a number of years that we're to continue that growth. It's that growing is supposed to keep on growing. It's supposed to keep on happening. Being rooted in a church, being rooted in being members of a church, encourages accountability. Our accountability and help, helping keep others accountable as well. It's a responsibility that we have to grow and to help people grow. Our responsibility, we are to grow, we are to help other people grow. How do we do that in the church? It's in the local church. If you're not part of a local church, it's really hard to help other people grow when you're not around them, right? It helps us grow um, as Christians in so many ways when we are members of a church, serving, working, rubbing shoulders, small groups, all kinds of areas where we can do that. Then one one of the unintended consequences of a church's neglect of proper discipline is that it gets much harder to produce disciples. In an undisciplined church, examples are unclear, models are confused. Right? You can say like, Oh, Mr. So-and-so has been a member of our church for 40 years. But, but look at what he does. Look at how he talks to other people, how he treats people. In an undisciplined church, it's like, well, yeah, but he's on all the committees, and look how he serves. Remember, church discipline is not always just that last step that I talk about, right? Church discipline is the one-on-one. I'm going, I see something, I encourage somebody, I point them to truth, or being another person with me, right? The vast majority of church discipline in a church that practices church discipline is happening where most people don't see it, except the people involved. Now, if that's not happening, it's kind of hard to do that last step and bring it in front of everyone if, if those other two steps didn't happen, right? That, that's going to be the exception. So we want to be churching. We, we want to be churching. We want to be churching. Uh, we do, but we also want to be practicing church discipline among ourselves, right? Weeds are undesirable. No gardener sets out to grow weeds because weeds have a bad effect on the plants around them. They cause issues. They actually squeeze out growth of the good things. They take away, they steal from it. And God's plan for the local church does not encourage us to leave weeds unchecked. Don't get me wrong. I think that's our natural tendency. I don't want to deal with that. Hey, that's your own thing. I don't want to get involved because then it gets messy. Now I'm involved, right? We don't want to do that. That's our natural tendency. But that is not the way God has designed us, the church, and his glory to, be, uh, to operate. He intends for his own glory that the church be composed of imperfect people. 
But he intends that these imperfect people should be people who love him and in whose lives he can work to make them more holy. For the good of the one disciplined, for the good of other Christians who see discipline as a warning, for the health of the church as a whole, for the good of our witness to non-Christians, and for the glory of God, we will be helped to grow individually and as a church as we practice church discipline. It seems counterintuitive, but that is by God's design, and it works. Now, we're helped as Christians by a biblical understanding of leadership as well. As God brings people into our lives whom he has called to be spiritual leaders, we gain practical role models and godly visions. God has equipped teachers and Christians we can follow in order to help us grow. He hasn't meant for us to live the Christian life without their aid. We need leaders. We need leaders who are living out this life, growing and encouraging others to grow, that we can follow them as we follow Christ. It seems almost too obvious to say that putting into practice what we learn from the Bible about prayer will help us to grow as a Christian, but it's true. Understanding that the God of the universe has not only spoken to us, in his word, but that he also wants us to speak back to him in prayer is surprising, it can be humbling, and it can be encouraging. And on top of that, we realize that prayer is a privilege brought for us by the Lord Jesus Christ. And only through him can we confidently know that God will hear our prayers. Prayer causes our love for the Lord to grow and to increase. We can see why the Christians in the New Testament turn to prayer so frequently and trustingly. As the Holy Spirit sanctifies us, big word for grows us, makes us more like Christ's growth, we're growing. As the Holy Spirit sanctifies us and our desires become more conformed to God's, have you ever experienced how your prayers change? Have you ever had the experience of praying that God would change somebody else? And before long, you're praying about yourself, how you can interact with that person, love that person, care for that person. You're like, how did that happen? Why, why now did my prayers change? Or pray that God would do something in your life and your prayers change to a different way. God, God works through us, or in us, through our prayers. You know, we find ourselves praying less about our circumstances and more about God's purposes. We find ourselves being more bold in our prayers, praying big prayers for conversions of people that we, the world says they would never be saved or praying for the gospel expansion in our city, in our nation, among other nations and people around the world. Our desire for God to be glorified increases in prayer. Praying together in our local church shapes and fuels this growth in our own hearts. I'm sure you're like me, have been to a prayer meeting, and you hear somebody praying, and your thought goes, I would love to pray like that person. 
How is it that they pray like that? How do they think about those things? Why is that the way that they pray? I want to pray like that. I want that to be true of me. That the things that he or she is saying, that I want that in my mind so I'm thinking that way. It fuels the growth in our hearts and it reinforces our love for what is best, for what it is that God wants. Rather than wanting to avoid time in prayer with our, with our church family, we begin to feel jealous for it and we, de- want to, we, we desire more of it. We tend to start living our inner life more truly and openly before God and our fellow believers. We may lament. We long for things. We confess sin. We cry out to God when we don't know what to do. We hope. We ask. We question, not in an unbelieving way, but in an understanding that God is holy and infinite, and I'm finite. God, help me. We wonder, we thank God, we praise him. All of this flows from a growing understanding of the Bible's teaching on prayer as we learn more and more about how to pray from our church family around us. We realize that our prayers bring glory to God. It's like the the billboard would be our dependence upon God. We're putting on on the billboard. We have a dependence upon God to all who hear us pray. And as we rely on God publicly, he is honored and the church is built up and we grow. And like Nate shared with us last week, a biblical understanding and practice of missions also helps us to grow in Christ. It reinforces our understanding of the plight of those around us or those around the world. It keeps the gospel solution front and center in our thinking and in our life together in the local church. It pulls us out of ourselves and helps us look at God's grand purposes and reminds us to look up at God himself. It helps reset our expectations and desires. We want to have a right view of missions here. One of the ways we do that, to keep this in front of you so you understand what we're trying to do, is we highlight missionaries every Sunday. In our bulletin, you see the missionaries. In our weekly newsletter email that we send out, we're highlighting missionaries. We spend a significant amount of money from our um, budget, church budget, to missionaries. We're always looking for missionaries that we can support, that we want to support. When they're in town, we invite them here to speak so that we are putting this before you. Because it can be really easy to forget about people in Italy or wherever. Right? We want them to be, we want to be reminded that we are in this helping support the gospel churches around the world, which God has called us to do. And as we remember that work that's being done over there, that helps us to grow in our love and concern for others. 
and our grow and our and grow in our love and desire to see the gospel go forth everywhere. A healthy church has a permeating concern with church growth, and that's not just growing numbers, but growing members. A church full of growing Christians is the kind of church growth that I think we want. Some today seem to think that people can be baby Christians for a whole lifetime. You hear people come and they speak and they're like talking about how, oh, yeah, this is something I just can't get figured out. And this is something I want to talk to you about, something to teach you about something, but I, I don't have a handle on it. You need to grow in that. Growth is seen to be an optional extra for particularly zealous disciples. But we've got to be very careful in taking that line of thought. Because growth is a sign of life. Growing trees are living trees. Growing animals are living animals. Because when something stops growing, it's dead. It dies. Now, growth may not mean that you negotiate these rapids of life in half the time that you did before. But it simply may mean that you're able to continue in the right direction as a Christian, regardless of the adverse circumstances. Consider what it means to be a Christian. It doesn't mean that you're perfect. But it does mean that your heart intends to seek the Lord in all things. And as you're growing, your heart should intend to seek the Lord more and more. If you're a Christian, it's because of God. By his own gracious action in your life. And he has grown a desire in you so that you desire a life that pleases him more and more. That type of growth shows is a sign of true spiritual life. And that's a mark of a healthy church. Now this is kind of the thought we should be growing individually and as a church. Come next week and we'll talk about how we do that. What are things that we can do? What does that look like? How do, we, how do we make some of these things happen? How do we encourage growth 